You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday Today on the podcast, we're talking with the coach, Harvey Hyde, all about USC kicking off spring football 2023. Both of us were out there, got to see these new players and the old players for the first time in a uniform with shells on, the shoulder pads on. So we're going to talk to the coach about that. And there's also Selection Sunday over the weekend. I know we don't do a lot of basketball here. I was in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 basketball tournament with Shotgun Spratling. We'll probably do a show this week talking about USC basketball, but we'll just kind of give you an update on the second half of the show of where USC is. Both the men's and women's making the NCAA tournament. I think only USC and UCLA had that happen uh, in the Pac-12. But anyway, we'll talk about that in the second half of the show. But the main thing will be uh, USC spring football, kind of what we saw out there. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. If you have the Apple Podcasting app, it does help us a lot. If you could leave us a five-star rating and review, uh, we appreciate that, everyone that does that. So thank you for doing it. And tell your friends about it, the Parasol Podcast. We've been doing this show since 2008, if you can believe that, talking about USC football. I guess it's like a 15-year anniversary, Coach. Holy cow. But anyway, we got the coach on the line. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, how are you doing, sir? Pretty good. Let's see. When I we, when we started this, I was 30 years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was 30 years old, so now I'm just getting into the prime of my life. So, uh, you know, every day in every way, you try to live every moment moment, and uh, get a little bit better at what we do. But, hey, Ryan, it's always good to be with you. We want to thank all of our listeners out there for checking in with us. And, yeah, it was a big Wednesday, the first time everybody sort of lined up to see what the 2023 edition of the USC Trojan football program looked like in uniforms. Yeah, um, and it you know there was about twenty new players out there uh, that are joining the team, so that's kind of uh, exciting. You got to look at your roster to see who the new um, you know the new guys are. Which number is that guy? Who's this? Where, who's oh you know uh, you know Anthony Lucas? Was he? Where, is he number? Oh, he's number six. Um, just kind of looking through there and getting a feel for what these new new guys look like. Um, and I don't know, you know, well. Let's start with that, Coach, because I know you're there kind of checking guys out when they're coming out of the tunnel. Um, anyone, you know, wherever you want to go, anyone that kind of stood out to you, either a returning player that maybe looked a little bit uh, bigger or different, uh, and then, any, you know, yeah, let's start with that. Let's go with returning players. I'm all over the place this morning, Coach, but returning players. Anyone kind of stand out to you, then we'll get to the newcomers uh, in a little bit. Well, I tell you, Ryan, uh, just like I told you last week when we did our show, the first thing I was going to do is position myself right by the door where the door opens and the players go onto the field 
where they have to slow down just a little bit, which they don't, to uh, take a look at him and have a roster there. I was standing next to Chuck Hayes. He would read off the number and read me the name. And as they went by, I would take a quick look. It didn't give me much time, but they'd come up that hill uh, out of the locker room and across the street. And and if they avoid a skateboarder, they made it. That'd be the biggest hit of the day. <laughs> the skateboarders go up and down that, as you know, and as you saw. And they slap hands with all the security guards and run onto the field. So I had a chance to look at them. I know one thing. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this or not. And, you know. Uh, but I noticed things. There was no eye contact whatsoever by any player or any coach. Only one coach said, nice to see you guys. Everybody else goes straight ahead. It's almost like they've been told, don't look right, don't look left, just keep going. And I noticed the players look like do that. And I know that you always say, hit the field running. And the players do that. I do that on the asphalt. They come across the street and hit the field running, but I noticed there wasn't any eye contact, came across pretty fast where you didn't have a chance really to take a good look at uh, some of the players, but I noticed Murray is a, is a really a big offensive tackle. There's a big kid. Had a chance to see one of the floor, Florida linemen. I can't remember his name, and uh, he looked like he could be in the, be the part of it, but Again, as you watch practice, it's very difficult to see the offense or defensive linemen because they're way on the other side of the field. But as far as the players came uh, coming off and on the field, Nelson, the quarterback, uh, he reminded me. Now, I didn't, I, I'm not saying he's a Randall Cunningham, but he reminded me what Randall looked like as a freshman. Tall and thin, and then Randall grew up. Looks very athletic. I didn't do much out there, but that's what he reminded me of when he came across, and he was right with Caleb Williams. I mean, right across together, like they're hand-in-hand hand or handcuffed together, which uh, probably is good. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of others. They came by so fast. Oh, yeah, Lucas. Saw Lucas come across. He looks good. That's number six, as you mentioned, in a uniform. The kid from Purdue. The big defensive lineman, I liked him in the uniform. He passed the eye test, but I didn't see him move or have a chance. The kid from uh, Georgia, uh, the outside rush guy, he was a little bit smaller than I thought he was. Uh, but uh, if he's got the speed and gets off the football, there's no problem with that. Uh, trying to think who else. I might. You hit me cold with this, but... Uh, uh, of course, uh, Brant's the receiver from Bishop Gorman. I know what he looks like. He's he's quick doing anything. He's a really good player, and uh, he's going to uh, play a lot, I think, as a freshman. Ah, can't really – I think I saw, yeah, number zero, the running back from South Carolina. Yeah. Good-looking, studly-looking stud, type of kid. Studly-looking type of kid. Uh, I think he's number zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah came across he looked good so I, I don't have a roster in front of me so I'm just trying to think about who I saw but I enjoyed that didn't have a chance to take a a good look at him I don't know if you guys had more of a chance where you were standing across the street when they came out of the locker room but it was real quick and no comments uh up the locker room across the street and onto the field 
Yeah, there was a lot of that. So you're talking about uh, Marshawn Lloyd. Um, yeah, the, uh, yeah. The, yeah, the running back. So he's like, uh, they list him at 5'9", 215. Um, so not the tallest guy in the world, but there's some there's a little bit of thickness to him. Yeah, remember Mike Garrett wasn't very tall. Either was uh, uh, Anthony Davis isn't real tall. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, uh, some of these others were real tall, but they got great. Barry Sanders wasn't real tall. I'm not saying he's one of these guys, but uh, he's a good looking kid, and I saw him on film, and I liked what he did. Yeah, Jamil. So you're also talking about Jamil uh, Muhammad uh, from Georgia State, uh, the Russian. Right. Um, yeah, he. I mean, he's like a six one, two forty ish kind of guy. So you thought he'd be a little bit bigger. Yeah, a little taller. I thought he was a little taller. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think six one. He's you know he's decent height. He might not. Have, maybe he was like six feet, something like that. Any thoughts on um, the inside linebacker number thirteen, uh, Mason Cobb? You know, I didn't have a chance to watch him. Uh, it was one of those days when we walked through the gate and they say, you can go into the field. I didn't know what direction to go. I knew I had about 20 minutes, 25 minutes at the most. I didn't know what direction to go as far as trying to see as much as I could to evaluate and also talk about on this podcast and other shows I do. So I didn't see him move around that much. Uh, so I saw Lee. Lee looks like he's lost a little weight. Uh, so I didn't see uh, the linebackers did a, a pursuit drill in the secondary over there uh, as far as warm-ups after they loosened up. I had a chance to see a little bit of that and how well they ran. Uh, in front of us right there, you were standing real close to me. We watched the defensive backs go through some action and so on and a few drills. But other than that, we were pretty far away from everybody else as far as being able to evaluate uh, the players as far as and in a hurry yeah. to do that. It was really awful uh, hard. Now, I, we did to see it, able to see a tackling drill right in front of us with the defensive backs. And uh, I, you know, did my critiquing on that. Uh, I don't yep. need to go through that. I'm not going to give you my tackling techniques of what and how they were tackling. But one coaching point I would put up, I would rather see the defensive backs not go against the defensive backs in tackling. I'd rather see them going against the receivers in tackling. That way it works both sides of the football. The receivers have a chance to try to get away and fall forward, and the defensive backs have a chance to wrap up, take them to the ground, without them getting any extra yards after the completion. So, you know, we didn't see that, but they, it was the first day in pads, so, you know, they'll probably get to that later on. I hope they will. But that's just about all we saw. I don't know if you saw anything more than that. That's about all we saw in the 20, 25 minutes we were there until we were asked, time to go. Yeah, they put the tackling kind of right in front of us, which I don't know if that was on purpose or not. Um, the linebackers did some, too. They did these, like, back-to-back sort of drills where they'd go run through cones and then one linebacker would tackle the other. But they were all, these were, you know, the beginning we get to watch are these position drills where they're not mixing, um, you know, they're not mixing linebackers and running backs. Uh, They have all the kind of offensive players, the skill players doing routes on air. So the quarterbacks are throwing them footballs, but you know, the, the DBs are doing drills with the DBs and linebackers are with the linebackers. And so it's these split up by position 
maybe they did some tackling drills later on in the practice we didn't get to see. Um, but yeah, that's sort of what we get to see is only like the stretching and then position drills. So they're not mixing. Uh, but you know, I don't know if it was on purpose, but we definitely got to see a lot of tackling in that little window that we got to watch. We did, and we saw it uh, being done properly, and we saw some uh, techniques that need to be worked on as far as making sure that you uh, take a guy to the ground and you deliver the blow. You're the hammer, not the nail. And in some situations, the defensive back making the tackle was the nail. And this is something you have to do in standing the guy up or taking him to the ground and using your legs. You don't start your legs. You don't lunge. You drive through the guy and take him to the ground. So I hope they pick that up and the coach coaches of that technique because you've got to have the momentum following the hit to make sure the guy doesn't go forward. So, you know, there's just little things like that that I saw. And, of course, of course those are coaching points. But uh, you don't see much. And, you know, Ryan, one thing I keep telling everybody, and I'll say it again, uh, most coaches are doing this. So it's just not USC. But this new style of spring practice of come on in, watch us stretch, watch us do a drill, and we'll see you later, hang around for two hours and then get your interviews, is getting to be a pattern. And the pattern is I don't know what they're hiding there's only certain things you can do in football. Football is not a secret. You block and tackle. You run certain plays and so on. You're not game planning at this time. You're not going to recruit any of the players away. We're all media. We're not going to say anything out there that is going to give any secrets away. I don't understand why they would limit the media to what they're watching, but basically what you do and the media does is advertise their program and their players. So uh, I just, I've never been able to figure this out. It's got to be a Lincoln Riley deal because uh, Helton had his own philosophy and we stated in the playpen and all of the above, but it's got to be something. Uh, I remember last year, one of the coaches came down, I think the chief assistant came down and said, let him go let him go up and down the sideline for that period of time, which was good. But this year, we didn't see that happen. Yeah. A um, couple of their notes, Coach. If just if, I'll mention some guys and maybe, you know, if, if you remember seeing them at all. The three Arizona transfers, uh, you had the wide receiver, Dorian Singer, who was wearing number 15. So you remember uh, Drake London's old number. You also had the cornerback, uh, Christian Roland Wallace. He was wearing number 17. So we got to see... You know, he was, you know, he would have been close uh, where we are. And then uh, Keon Bars, the uh, defensive lineman, was wearing number 92. Any do you, any memories or thoughts of uh, any of those guys that came in? Yeah, Bars looks good in the uniform. He's a big kid. Big kid, solid-looking kid, uh, ran pretty good across the street. Other than that, I didn't see anything else, but he looked good. Uh, 17, the defensive back from Arizona. He's a bigger kid than I thought he was. He's pretty tall, pretty studly looking. Didn't have a chance uh, to really see much of him as far as tackling or some of the drills they did, so I can't give an evaluation. And Singer, the receiver, I really didn't watch him much. They were up at the other end of the field, so I really uh, lost contact with them. But uh, I saw him in person. I know what they look like, and uh, I hope Bars can play. I just hope he can, but there's such a need to dominate on the defensive line of scrimmage. Um, one of the other new newcomers, uh, Amarian Peterson, number 27, the running back. Um, 
any thoughts on him if you remember like checking him out at all? Didn't have a chance to see him whatsoever. They are up at the other end of the field. Okay. Uh, I really believe I really believe their running back situation is the best it's been for a while. I really do. They got good depth. I think there's going to be a lot of competition. There'll be a lot of pride there with Jones back and these other players. Uh, I think they're in good shape at running back. I really do. It's just deciding who's going to play and, uh, you know, what role they're going to take. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I don't like to see a lot of rotation going in there because there's a lot of tendencies and, and what you do with certain backs and so on. And you really never get into a rhythm when you're in and out of the game all the time. But they certainly do, I think, have some pretty good running backs. Yeah. No, it's a, it looks like it's a it's a good room there. Um, you know, coming in like you you know, that it's just transfers, freshmen, uh where uh Rayleigh Brown, you know, where he's gonna end up um going. So I mean, yeah, I think it's gonna be kind of interesting to kind of see how that all uh shapes out. Um yeah, anyone is there anyone else on the top of your head that you wanna mention or we can we can kind of move on from here i mean there you might have been talking about as far as offensive linemen goes uh michael tarquin um number 71 is that uh kind of who you were yes yes okay yeah um yeah he's six five, three hundred ten pounds and i believe he was playing left tackle uh that day but there's uh yeah i mean there's there's some good options uh, I think on the offensive line and, you know, we got to talk to Josh Henson a little bit, you know, they, uh, you know, we talked to some of the offensive linemen as well. Um, you know, Jonah Monheim uh, was playing some, you know, right guard, right tackle, but also playing some center. So it looks like they're moving. They're, they're trying guys in different spots, coach. They are, they've got to get the right combination. Uh, Monheim, I think is a pretty good football player. I thought he really played well last year. Uh, and uh, he will probably be the backup center, but that's where you put a guy that you got a lot of confidence in that could play either or position. Because if someone goes down, you've got to have someone that goes there immediately where they're in the drop-off, plus that guy's got to be pretty smart at making the calls and so on. So it's good to have a veteran there, and he's a pretty good football player. I like him. So, you know, the offensive line... Uh, if they work on the run this spring, and I really think the emphasis should be completely being physical, uh, tackling on defense, and uh, and on the offensive line with defensive line having battles every day, I think the offensive line could be pretty good. And I think that if they go against the defense, the defense is going to be forced to become better and get their players in the right position and so on. So I hope that's going to be the philosophy of what's going to be going on because the offensive side of the football, I think can be pretty good. It's the defensive side of the football where I think all of the question marks are right now, as far as how good the new transfers are, the freshmen, the portal, the linebackers, all of the above the defensive backs to improve a defense that needs a lot of help. Definitely does need a lot of help. And I, we didn't get to watch, like you said, a ton of stuff, but, there's different, you know, there's there's some guys that are gone. Um, there's guys that are returning. A guy like Kalen Bullock, I think he looked bigger uh, to me out there. We didn't see like an Eric Gentry. Um, but you have some new new guys, especially on the defensive line. Uh, there's, there's help there for the defense. Any sort of overall thoughts of like, okay, looking at the players on the defensive side, 
this is probably a better group than what they had last year, at least. I think so. I think so without watching practice or watching any type of contact at all. They seemed as though they looked like they could be quicker and uh, they're bigger. And uh, I think they've had experience more as far as playing in the Big Ten and having the opportunity to play with great athletes at Texas A&M and having great success at Oklahoma State. They play great defense at Oklahoma State and seems to be a leader type of player. Uh, I, I do in Georgia State, and uh, they, they win and have a good football program. Arizona, you know, they beat UCLA last year. And I think they're an up-and-coming program. And uh, I think when these guys decide to come to USC from these programs, they want to win, they want to win bigger, and they, they, they think they can contribute. And, you know, it's a, a special place, so they don't want to make a move and then not play. So I think they're going to be better on the defensive side of the football at just getting the right people on the field at the right place and then let them play. Don't confuse them. Yeah. All right, Coach. Uh, well, any any kind of final thoughts from the spring ball? Day? It was day three for us. Um, you know, It was day three for USC. It was day one for us. They practiced twice uh, last week, and then we get to go on Sunday. Now the team's off for spring break. And then we'll be back again Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. We can go to Tuesday, Thursday practices, not Saturdays. And we'll get a Zoom call uh, with Lincoln Riley on Saturdays. But this is spring break this week, so we won't have any more practices. So it's sort of like this one chance to get to watch the team and then sort of move on from there. But any sort of final thoughts, Coach, on, on spring ball before we move on? Well, one final thought is I'm looking forward to April 15th. And the spring game, I think that's where you get a real test and you're really able to see them as a team go through uh, what they're supposed to be and what they've accomplished. And the players should be in the proper positions and we'll find out what the rotations are and if there's any new schemes or anything that the defense is using. I think the offense will be the same. I don't see anything changing on the offensive side of the football. I'd like to see the running game be emphasized more, especially when you have a good stable of running backs. And a little bit more moving the pocket to protect Williams and giving him options as far as run or pass type of situations. And uh, again, uh, it'd be real interesting to see Miller Moss. I want to see how he progresses. He's a great kid. Uh, he's not part of the group that runs in with with Caleb, and uh, I sort of feel bad for him, but he's a loyal kid and has really been a part of it, and most of the tutoring is going towards uh, the new quarterback that's come in lemon. So uh, I just wonder what Miller's going to do after the spring. Is he going to stay or go? Is he going to get an opportunity? Who would start for USC against San Jose if something unfortunately happened to Caleb Williams? I think that's exactly what they have to plan on as far as becoming a better football team. It's finding out who's going to be the guy or that you say you're one play away. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see. Um, we'll be out there, uh, like I said, after this week, there's spring break. Then we'll be back and checking out the limit, the limited time we can check it out. But we will. And we'll be able to talk to more players and coaches and get you guys more interviews. We put up a whole bunch of interviews up on uscfootball.com from day one of spring ball. So make sure you go check all of that out. We're going to take a quick break and come back and uh, do a question and talk a little hoops back in a minute.
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We don't talk a lot of uh, basketball with the coach, uh, but I just want to mention that it was Election Sunday and USC uh, is in the NCAA tournament. So I was there in Las Vegas. They end up getting bounced in the um, in the quarterfinals to Arizona State, which probably helped the conference because Arizona State also made it into uh, the bracket. So the uh, Pac-12 has four teams in. You got a couple number two seeds in uh, Arizona and UCLA. They played in the finals, and Arizona ended up winning the Pac-12 tournament yet again. Um, UCLA's banged up a little bit, so we'll kind of see how they do. And then USC gets a 10 seed, and Arizona State's in uh, 11, I believe, one of the play-in games. But four teams uh, from the Pac-12 in there. But uh, the t- number 10 seed, they're going to face off against Michigan State, which is the number seven seed. Uh, USC is three and three all time against the Spartans. Uh, it will be on Friday, March 17th. They're playing a green team on uh, St. Patrick's Day, coach. Uh, it's an early game, 9-15 in the morning. So that'll be a little bit of an adjustment. Michigan State right now is a uh, one and a half point favorite. And they will be playing uh, at Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio, and this will be a CBS game, so that'll be good to uh, kind of check out there. Um, yeah, so uh, pretty cool that uh, USC is in the tournament. Uh, I know Andy Umfield was sort of making uh, making his case for it after we got to talk to him after USC lost to Arizona State. Um, Drew Peterson's been banged up with his back. USC had players, um, you know, missing for injuries and sickness, and they didn't practice a whole bunch. Going into the Pac-12 tournament, so I know sometimes you see teams get bounced in the in their conference tournament early, and then make a run in the NCAA tournament, or they make a you know they win their uh, conference tournament and then they just you know die out early in the in the uh, NCAA tournament. So it'll be interesting to kind of see, coach. But I don't know how much you follow it or if you checked it out at all. Oh, definitely, I do. I think it's very important to have power programs in football and basketball and in all the sports if you can as far as the reputation of your university's athletic department and the support of the school and and the pride of the athletic department and so on. I think it's great when athletes go to other team sports and support them and know what's going on. And and uh, I think that the USC basketball program is very talented as far as with players. I'm very concerned they can't win the big game as far as not being either ready to play or not playing defense or can't win close games at times. I think that Andy's had a, a great run as far as having his opportunity to 
to move the program to a different level, and they've struggled doing that. Injuries, yes, is part of the game. UCLA had some injuries, but you've got to learn to adjust to that and bring people off the bench. He's had great recruiting years at USC, and I, I, let me just be honest with you. I expect more, okay? I mean, I don't want to see teams getting their rings because they went to the Sweet 16 or whatever. I mean, uh, you don't get rings until you win a, a championship of some type. Uh, I want to remember championships, not because we got partway there. So I'm being a critical. I'm being critical here because I haven't been impressed with the results of the USC basketball program. It's fun to watch. They've got great athletes. But there's no consistency there in the saying, hey, they're going to win this game or that's going to happen. So we'll have to see what happens uh, back there at Michigan State. Uh, it'll be a big battle. It'll be a more of a physical type of football game, a football game, basketball game. Uh, but I'd like to see them do a lot better than what they've actually done. And that's just my honest opinion. And some people will agree. Some people won't agree. But, you know, after a period of time, you know, you want to win the conference. You want to be at the top of the conference. And right now, over the last couple of years, it's been Arizona dominating the conference and other teams coming on strong. So uh, I expect USC to make a move here shortly. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll see. I mean, as far as like a move in the tournament, you mean like making a coaching move? No, one or the other. I mean, decide, are you going to play for championships or you going to play for second? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I mean, if people are, if that's all they want out of their basketball program, that's what they got. Okay. And uh, I'm not trying to, I am negative, but I expect higher things. Let me give you an idea. I was at UNLV when Jerry Tarkanian was coaching. Okay. Yeah. There was times if he didn't make the final eight, he didn't even have a banquet. He says, you guys don't deserve a banquet because we didn't do, we didn't. I mean, yeah, we won the conference. But we got to be more ready to play. We come here to win national championships or make the Final Four. I remember one year, I said, Jerry, you're not even going to have a banquet. I said, why would we get a banquet? These guys didn't achieve our goal. What am I going to do, get up there and tell them how great they are? And, you know, that's the different standards that some coaches have. Now, that's the old style, okay? Maybe the new style, you can't do that. You give them a, uh, never mind. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know uh you know it's a it's a different type of deal uh, you know you got to win big you got to play hard you got to achieve your goals and uh that's that's what i look for may i'm just maybe i'm too critical maybe i just expect too much and that's the way it is the uh if you look at the east region that um USC is in, like we mentioned, playing Michigan State, who's obviously, you know, had a lot of success and, um, you know, historically good program. And the, the next round, it could be a, a matchup with Marquette, uh, who's, you know, um, you know, big time. They're basketball. pretty good. Yeah, that's big time you, they're pretty school. good. Um, you know, Kansas State is also on that side of the bracket. Um, so they'll be playing a, a Providence. You also have, I'm sorry, uh, Kansas State. Uh, could potentially be playing a Kentucky Providence winner. So Kentucky, big name, and uh, you know, big name program there. Um, you know, Tennessee is in the bracket. Uh, they were, you know, 
a top ranked team for a lot of the season. So that's kind of interesting one. You got Duke, uh, who won the ACC tournament there in that, you know, in the East region. So, I mean, that's going to be, uh, a lot of people think they can make a run. Uh, you also have Memphis and, uh, and Purdue is the number one seed. So they've been, uh, really good all year. So it's, uh, you know, there's some good teams and some really good names, you know, historic brands in college basketball, uh, that's in this East region with USC. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think it's a great, strong, uh, division. And, uh, I think it's going to be very competitive and you got to bring your game. You've got to, uh, don't worry about everybody else. Just worry about who you're playing, okay? If you look at the uh, East Region too much, uh, then you're not going to win your division. You better win or win your first game. And the number one thing you look at is what are we going to do on Friday when we play? Uh, that's the only game I'm worried about. I'm not worried about who we're going to play. I'm worried about uh, as far as next week or on Saturday or Sunday. I want to know who we're playing now and get ready to play them. I don't have to worry about who we're going to play, okay? Yeah. Because we're going to be getting on a plane coming home, and I've had that happen before. When I went with Tark to the Final Four, and we were in Indianapolis, and uh, we lost there in the semis to, uh, who was it, Uh, uh, Duke on the Phantom Call on Anderson Hunt, okay? And, uh, and, uh, hey, Tark had that team up at eight o'clock in the morning. We were on the charter coming home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the way he did it. Hey, there's no way to stay here. Yep. Adam, have breakfast, get on the plane. And move on. And, it, and it, there I was too on the plane going home. So, uh, you know, that's, that's just what you do. And that's the final four you go to. Yeah. Uh, that was a tough loss too. They were undefeated at that time. Yeah, that was. I remember yeah. that year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anderson had got fouled by uh, Bobby Haley, the coach early. at Arizona State. Yeah, early. early yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, he made that shot, and and uh, they beat him. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah Anderson had fouled him, and uh, that's the way it went. So it was a great game, great tradition. Basketball is a great game. I love it. I remember uh, watching the LSU game, Shaquille O'Neal play at the Thomas and Mac in Las Vegas. And this is when he was really being a star. And, you know, at that time and still today, television scheduled Jerry's uh, at UNLV's schedule. I mean, it was he, he would just outplay anywhere, anytime, except you better come back and play at my, my place. Yeah. I went home and home. And he used to call Lute Olson Midnight Loot because <laughs> Loot used to go in at night and try to recruit people away from Tark. You know, it, uh, legally, of course, everything's legal, of course. And uh, and uh, they 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 had great games. LSU, I mean, Arkansas. Remember when Tark went to Arkansas and Arkansas was number one in the country and he blew them out by thirty points. I mean, at Arkansas. I mean, these are great memories. I mean, with great players, great teams, Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogman, all these great teams. And, and you know, I, re- I wrote along being the football coach on Jerry Tarkanian's reputation. I mean, he had established UNLV as the run of rebels everywhere in the nation, worldwide. He was the blue-collar workers team, okay? 
Everybody wanted to get him, including the NCAA. You know, he used to say uh, if North Carolina had a violation, they put Cleveland State on probation uh, because those, you know, they didn't want to take the big guys out of the tournament. That was their way. And Tark would laugh and say that, and the media would laugh. He loved the media. And uh, and that's the way it was. And, and I hope it's still that way, and it should be that way. I mean, his non-conference games were not, I don't want to say it, could it be critical on, on schools today if people are playing, schools that are in this malls, but, he, you know, there was LSU, Duke, Arizona, Arkansas. It was all scheduled by television. Every game was scheduled by television because the national, uh, the national reputation of the Runner Rebels and Jerry Tarkini. I remember going back to the the uh, NBA draft with Tark. We went back to Madison Square Garden, and that's the year they had three players selected in the first round. And we got out of the car to go in Madison Square Garden. We had a driver, and we went in there, and the whole crowd recognized Tark lining up to go in the draft. And they started chanting, Tark, Tark. Park. It's amazing how people could recognize him. We'd go through the airport and people would recognize him everywhere we went. And I was very fortunate that he put UNLV on the map and then I tried to follow up with the uh, great job he did as far as recruiting great football players. And we were pretty fortunate to get great football players and we had a chance to win if we didn't screw them up, you know? So, <laughs> and that's what I used to tell my coaches, uh, Hey, don't screw them up. We'll be okay. I remember one day, I know I'm talking too much. I remember one day I was out there in the field where, and I looked over and I saw my special teams coach. I had a kicking coach and I had also a special teams coach. And my special teams coach was over there with Randall Cunningham and he was teaching him or telling him he wasn't dropping the ball right when he punted it. So I went over to him and I said, what are you doing? Well, he's been holding the ball a little bit too high, coach, when he's kicking the punt. When he's t- and it, it, I think it's it's messing him up. I said, messing him up. He's the number one punter in the country. I said, from now on, I'm coaching the kicker. From now on, you go coach another position. I'll coach him. Randall just kicked the way you've always kicked. Why why coach somebody that's doing it right? My goodness, he used to boom. I mean, in the NFL, you saw him punt the football. He was first-team All-American punter for us at UNLV. I mean, and you're going to coach him up and tell him he's not doing it right? Please, don't confuse the kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember you telling me that story, which is hilarious. Like, sometimes you, you can overcoach, right? You can just be like, that. that's a guy you don't need to coach. Just let him do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave him alone. I told you the stories. I don't know. I could go all day and tell you stories. Did I tell you the story when he used to come over and it was third and 18 and we call a timeout? Did I tell you what play we called? No. Well, we say, say it was third and 12 or third and 18 and we call a timeout. It was a big play during the game. So he'd come over and, you know, everybody be huddled around the offensive coordinator and I'd take Randall over and talk to him a little bit, calm him down and and I said, Randall, what do you think? What play should we do? I I think we should run this play. He said, no, coach, no, don't run that play. I tell you, I know I can hit this play. I know I can. Are you sure? 
okay, then we'll run the play you want to run. But if it's not there, make sure you look back to the backside on the corner route. Will you promise me that? He said, yeah, I'll do that. So they run back on the field. Well, since he suggested the play, then he's going to work harder to make sure that play works. Because, you know, he doesn't want me telling him and he called the wrong play. So, and of course, I wouldn't okay it unless I thought it had a chance now. And he would go out there and run that play. And if it wasn't there, they'd look back to the back side or whatever the play was and he'd take a look at it. But you've got to give a player the thought and thinking that he can be successful and don't have him going back on the field saying that play won't work. He's got to have a feel that he had something to do with the decision on what play you called. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's like managing when you have like a great athlete, there's probably a different way to manage them, right? Like, you know, why was Phil Jackson so good? Because it's not easy to get all those, uh, you know, the Michael Jordans and Scottie Pippins and Kobe Bryant's and, Shaquille O'Neal's of the world to play play nice together. And they're they're it's a little different to manage the guys that are like generational you know players like that. I would think it is. Uh, it's fun, and they make you. If you don't mess them up, you're a pretty good coach. But yeah. you got pretty good players. Just don't mess and them I up. I think that's <laughs> that's right, and that's what I really felt or feel. A lot of key coaches do is they give the kid too much thinking. Rather, you must have recruited him for a reason. Okay. Let him use his natural talent and don't have him think too much. Yeah. All right, Coach, we got one last thing. We have a question from our buddy Dan, class of 62. He says, hey, Ryan and Coach Hyde, thanks as always for your straightforward comments to all questions. My concern for this year on defense is more about scheme than individual players and their ability. We always hear about the need for pressure, but then we see so-called zone prevent defenses with a limited pass rush on third down plays. The best defensive pressure, the best defenses pressure on all downs. I understand the need to change schemes during a game to confuse offenses, but when you use the same low pressure scheme consistently on third downs, you are setting yourself up for failure. Coach Hyde, what is your approach to defensive scheming? Fight on, Dan, class of sixty-two. Well, I agree with you. Uh, I think that you got to mix it up. I think that if it's not working, please don't stay with it. I mean, if you can't get to the quarterback and you're dropping eight or whatever, then you better make some changes. You better keep that quarterback guessing. And uh, if they're completing the pass and the running zone and all these different things behind it and they're finding open areas for the quarterback to throw the football to and then occasionally he's going to run for the first down at the same time, which is going to be seams in there, then I'm going to get out of that. Right now, I'm going to get out of that. I'm going to get on the set uh, my phone, switch over the defense, and say, hey, enough of this. Go after him. Let's go after him. Because if they're driving down the field and uh, making yardages uh, on us and first downs and so on and getting big chunks of yardage, then we'll go play man, and we're going to go after him. And I'm going to tell my guys, you better get him, because if you can't get him, we're going to get beat because our guys can't cover all day. And I'm going to put in rush guys that can get there. And uh, because you've got to mix it up, and uh, there's some times that you can uh, get away with rushing three or four guys. But if you're not getting there, why are you doing it? Because the guys can't cover all day. 
So, and not only that, then the quarterback sees, oh, everybody's covered, and he runs up the middle and makes the first down. You've seen that happen so many times. So you've got to mix it up. You've got to stay in your zones, too. You can't lose your contain. You've got to have a guy in the middle watching for the quarterback, too, to make that move up the middle. You've got to get pressure, and you've got to stop him before he gets started with that run up the middle of the quarterback when he goes. You've got to get him to the ground one way or another. All right, Coach. Love the philosophy. Love the defensive philosophy. There's going to be a lot of talk about that between now and uh, when USC kicks off against San Jose State uh, in late August. But uh, So we'll get to debate all that stuff then, but looking forward to having some more spring practices and checking out what's going on. Of course, the spring game, like you mentioned, on April 15th. Uh, great stuff, as always, Coach. Um, enjoy uh, your week. We got the little week off, uh, spring break, no more practices, and we'll be back again next week. But thanks again for coming on. Well, thank you, Ryan, and for everybody out there. Uh, take care of yourself. Stay safe out there. Buckle up, okay? All right, everyone. Stay safe. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 